All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to Daily Face Off Live. It's Matt Larkin here, joined by my partner in crime on the Puck Pooley's podcast, Stephen Ellis. We are streaming, as always, live on the Daily Face Off YouTube channel. And, of course, the show presented by Botano. The game starts now. Botano.ca, 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. Stephen, we have so much to get through today. Very exciting weekend of, of hockey news. Are you ready, my friend? I am. I've watched so much hockey last couple of days. I could barely see, but... Uh... That's what we do. Okay, let's dive into it. And we know, of course, we have to start with the big headline maker of the weekend. Jay Woodcroft is out as coach of the Edmonton Oilers. The win over the Seattle Kraken on the weekend was not enough to save his job. Evidently, it was the loss to San Jose earlier in the week. That big humiliation, the Oilers 3-9-1, and and he is out. So my question for you to start the show today, Stephen, is it fair? Is Jay Woodcroft the correct scapegoat in the situation for a team that if you look at those under the hood metrics was performing pretty well, maybe a bit of bad puck luck going on. Yeah, definitely a hundred percent. Definitely some bad puck luck. And you know, the team needed a change. So I understand making a coaching change and you look at the record there though. He was quite good for the Oilers for a guy who was in his, like his first team as an NHL head coach. But you know, there's a guy that could have gone out and acquired some better goaltending options for this team. And we know, you know, Jack Campbell was kind of supposed to be the guy. And we looked in the preseason. Maybe he's could bounce back from last year. There's still a lot of risks associated with that. And then you see what happens. And I was still always kind of, you know, yeah, you know, we saw what Stuart Skinner was able to do last year as a rookie, but he was not, you know, his numbers weren't spectacular by any means. He had to play a lot of starts 
that he probably shouldn't have because you would have hoped for a better Jack Campbell. And uh, I thought that maybe replicating that success was going to be difficult this year. And then you go and look at the goalie stats and yeah, neither goalie is above eight, seven, five right now in save percentage. So goaltending has been an issue there, but again, you look at Ken Hall and you say like, he's been the GM there since 2018. They haven't been able to get over the hump. Was he the guy that maybe had to go? You don't see a ton of GM changes early this time of year. So Coaching change made sense. They had to get someone that they could just a fresh face in there, a fresh voice that they can restart with. But got to wonder how many days Ken Holland has left. Yeah, it's a very fair question. And we'll get deeper into Ken Holland later in the show. But in terms of Woodcraft, I, I, I'm kind of with you. If you look at his career points percentage, 643 among coaches in NHL history with at least 100 games, that's ninth best all time, sandwiched between Bruce Cassidy and John Cooper. So Bruce Cassidy, Jay Woodcroft, John Cooper on that list. Very successful run. Of course, it was a bad start this year, but the Oilers, they're in the top of the NHL in scoring chances five on five, expected goals five on five, dead last in save percentage or right near the bottom save percentage, very low in shooting percentage. So what could he really do in this situation? I also still wonder if Connor McDavid is himself. I still believe he rushed back from injury because of the team's struggles in the standings. And I think that has hurt the team as much as anyone. I still wonder if he needs to take a game or two off to sort of right the ship there. But let's let's look forward now, which the Edmonton Oilers are doing as well. They bring in Chris Knobloch as their new head coach, a guy who has a long record in the AHL track record with the Hartford Wolfpack, reasonably successful, but it doesn't really pop. Of course, the connection everyone is making, it's Connor McDavid's old coach from Erie. So I'm very curious for your take, Stephen, as a guy who's plugged into the junior scene to the minor league scene, what is your take on this hire? Well, he's really well respected. Talk to some of his former players just yesterday to kind of get a a sense and a lot of them are like yeah you know he's a very smart coach he's willing to get creative and try things and you know if if Connor McDavid's not playing great maybe they he's like you know what we got to give you a bit of a rest here but when it comes to what he brings to the table here uh the Hartford Wolf Pack this year just looked really good uh great numbers this year and and he's been someone that a lot around the AHL said this guy deserves a chance in the NHL uh I you know the connection there with McDavid yeah that is true that was nearly a decade ago. So it's like, any at that point, it's hard to not be able to coach Connor McDavid very well in the OHL when he was putting up the numbers he did. The NHL is a different story here, but, and that's a great picture. I haven't seen that one, but uh, you know, I, I think that this is again, the fresh face that needed to be coming in here. And he's not a former NHL head coach. This is not just another recycled option here. This is someone here where they, they kind of brought Jay Woodcroft in for the same reason, right? When you look at Tom McClellan, Ken Hitchcock, Dave Tippett beforehand, they were all these experienced coaches. You bring in Woodcroft and he's this fresh face, never coached the NHL, and he put up some really good numbers. I do expect him, uh, Chris, here to do the same thing. You know, this is a good hockey team. They need to get some good goaltending. They haven't yet. If they could figure that out, I still think they're a true contender this year. Just obviously right now, it doesn't look that way. But uh, again, I, th- I think it's an interesting hire. Yeah, and I think you make a good point about Erie being pretty far in the rearview mirror, almost a decade. And I think the struggles of Connor Brown so far is a good reminder of that because I think people were sort of anointing Connor Brown, this breakout player for this season, this brilliant signing. I was one of those people just assuming he would pick up that chemistry where he left off. Same with Jonathan Durant in Colorado. So we can't just assume that that connection with Knobloch is going to be as strong as it was and and automatically mean success. That said, because of the fact the Oilers underlying numbers are so good, like I'm talking right at the top Mm -hmm. of the league in five on five dominance. I think that just 
positive regression in general is going to make Knobloch look very good. It might not necessarily be his own, his doing, but I, I could see a scenario where months from now he's being heralded as the architect of this turnaround when really it's just this team that was dominating chances. The pucks finally start going in and their goaltenders who couldn't possibly continue to be this bad started stopping the puck. So I do think he's going to be a quote unquote success. I don't really know if it's going to be of his own making, but I think it's going to happen. And of course, if you believe to if you sort of believe in the the new voice theory, right? We know there's a recent history for the mid-season coach bump. Rick Tockett did it. Bruce Boudreaux did it the year before. Daryl Sutter did it the year the Kings won the cup. Ken Hitchcock did it with the Blues that same season. Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh 2016. The list goes on and on and on. And I think what we've seen with the Oilers in this situation is they're trying to make the switch early because we often see the scenario in which a team makes that switch, but they do it too late and the turnaround isn't complete in time. And Vancouver is the prime example of that. They got hot two years in a row with a new coach, but maybe if they'd made the switch earlier in the season, they could have righted this, the ship. So Edmonton Oilers, eight points out of a playoff spot right now. We'll see if that proves to be insurmountable, but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next several months. So let's continue talking about the coaching hot seat, Stephen. We're going to head out east to where we are in Toronto. And I'm kind of wondering if we're seeing the cooling of a hot seat. The Toronto Maple Leafs struggling going into last week. They'd lost five of six after that embarrassing collapse against the Ottawa Senators last week. But they beat Calgary on Friday. They beat Vancouver on Saturday. Suddenly it's like, okay, well, they've actually won three out of four. So I'm wondering for you, is Sheldon Keefe's seat actually cooling down? And are you expecting the Leafs to be okay going forward? My question, was it really ever that hot in the first place? I feel like every start of the season, we're talking the same thing. Is this the end of Sheldon Keefe in Toronto? And then he figures it out. I think he, if he was in danger, he made two decisions that really helped this team. One was the John Klingberg. Oh yeah, he's definitely for sure hurt. He's going to have to miss a game. Oh, and then he returns the next night and played actually a pretty solid game. Sitting him and then sitting Ryan Reeves were the two things that probably helped this team. When you look at Ryan Reeves, was not bringing a lot to this table. And, and I, I don't want to rehash the same old conversations about him because if you follow anybody that follows the Leafs on Twitter, it's been a hot topic from the start of the season. But you take him off, you put Bob and McMahon on, and surprise, the fourth line was maybe Toronto's most effective line on Saturday night against the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, it seems like this team's a little faster that way. And, and Klingberg is still a decent defenseman who can still put, you know, still set things up. It's just hasn't been working uh, this year in Toronto. And I think he just needed a bit of a break. These, you know, one-off resets might be really good for him. Just let him like, okay, you made a couple of big mistakes. You've probably got the most pressure you've ever had in your career with all due respect to Dallas, Minnesota, and Anaheim. Uh, and now the spotlight's on you. And if you make a mistake, people are going to be on you, especially given who worn Jersey number three last year for the team and also struggled. But when it comes to Klingberg uh, sitting, I think that was a good thing. So when it comes for the Leafs, they need good goaltending. It's been on and off. When it's good, it's good. They need better defense. I think we started to see that. And all of a sudden now, I don't think anyone's talking about Sheldon Keith potentially losing his job there. So I think it's safe. I don't think he, with a team like this, you're not firing him early in the season. If anything, if it doesn't work out, you fire him over the summer. But I never thought it was that hot to be uh, to be fully honest. 
Okay. I think I was the one with the, the fire poker in hand stroking the flames because I, I don't think Sheldon Keefe is safe yet. I'm not as confident as you are. I just think the way this team is constructed, it's going to be track meets all season long. I said that in the summer. I said it last week. I'm going to keep saying it. This team is not built to play good defense. The pieces they brought in were not just weak defensive players. They were players known to be really bad defensively. So that includes Reeves, John Klingberg, Max Domi. And I just think that Toronto is going to have to trade chances. You're going to see streaks. You're going to see slumps. And if the offense goes cold or you see an injury to one of the big four, I think you could see a major slump coming. So I don't think they're out of the woods just yet. If you look at the defensive metrics, they've regressed significantly near the bottom of the league. Expected goals, high danger chances against their bleeding chances. Yes, fixing the fourth line helps, but it's not going to be enough. So I think the Leafs are a playoff team, but I think it's going to be a wild roller coaster all season long. Uh, I want to stick with the team that the Leafs played on the weekend, Vancouver, one of the teams they played. And I want to ask you about the Pacific division picture now, Stephen. Obviously, the Vegas Golden Knights, they have not had what any kind of hangover whatsoever. They still look dominant, but they're getting pushed by the Canucks. The LA Kings have looked pretty good so far. So I'm wondering for you, if you're trying to assess who is the biggest threat to the Vegas Golden Knights in that division right now, obviously it's not Edmonton at the moment. This or that, is it Vancouver or is it L.A. that you think is looking stronger right now? Down the line, I'm still going to go with Edmonton. But when, right now, I'm, I'm, I know this might feel like a cop-out given they're ahead in the standings. But Vancouver, to me, is just a team that I'm... I, I know there's some underlying metrics there that may concern some people and say this team's probably just riding a bit of a high here. But they're scoring at a great rate. They've got some excellent goaltending right now from Thatcher Demko and Casey the Smiths, a pretty strong backup goalie there, too. Uh, their power play, obviously looking really good. But it didn't really do a whole lot against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Near the second half of that game, we saw them score those two goals uh, on the the instigator penalties um, that the Leafs had, which unfortunately for Nick Robertson, he had to serve both of them. But it, you've got an elite player in Elias Pettersson. You've got an elite defenseman in Quinn Hughes. You've got an elite goalie in Thatcher Demko. That's something very few teams in this division can say right now. Uh, so for me, I think that this is a Canucks team when – you look at it, there's got, they've got the skill to make this work. They just got to keep putting together on a consistent basis. As long as Philip Aronik is playing as good as he is with Quinn Hughes, that gives them one of the best defense pairings in the league. And then you put that in front of one of the best goalies in the league. Again, I, I like what this team's able to do right now. Okay. See, it's always more fun if we disagree. I actually go in the Kings direction. I do like what Vancouver's bringing to the table. I did pick them to make the playoffs. I think they're going to regress a little bit because the shooting percentage has been really strong. Thatcher Demko has been bailing them out quite a bit. Like yes. their defensive play kind of reminds me of the Jets in the peak Connor Hellebuck years. They're giving up a lot of chances. So I think there's going to be some regression. The Kings are almost the opposite. They've been really dominant territorially. I think they're built to last. They're just a really good defensive hockey team. They're really deep. Now you have Pierre-Luc Dubois on your third line so you can roll three dangerous lines at the moment obviously goaltending is going to be a question so they're sort of the inverse of the canucks cam talbot's been good so far phoenix copley's been really not good i mean really not good so far uh i just don't know if it's going to be sustainable for talbot at his age he's had some injury problems so i could see that team running into a dilemma down the line where maybe they have to make a trade but overall just in terms of the team structure i like what LA is bringing to the table in the long term. Vancouver, though, what a story. They're so much fun to watch. Their top end players are just very, very exciting at the moment, especially Quinn Hughes' magical season. Uh, Steven, we got to go back to the Oilers. It's just such a big story. So we have to bring in a heavy hitter today for our next segment, the All 32. We're going to get someone with a little knowledge from the inside. Jason Greger is coming up next. 
The All 32 is delivered by DoorDash. Make DoorDash your holiday hack this holiday season. For a limited time, our Canadian listeners get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code NATION25. Okay, we are very pleased to be joined by our friend, co-host of the DFO Rundown podcast, host of the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, our friend with the excellent looking spectacles, Jason Greger. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good, fellas. You? Oh, my God. we're Our heads are spinning, so I can't imagine what it's like in your neck of the woods, and uh, I really just want to get to it because there's so much to ask you. I guess let's start with just your sense of the thinking behind firing Woodcroft after a win. Was it just that the damage was done and there was nothing he could have done, even if they won 10 nothing on Saturday night? Was it just a foregone conclusion that he was out at that point? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, Ken Holland and Jeff Jackson, uh, you know, they outlined the fact that, yeah, the, the decision was made prior. And to me, that actually makes sense. If you say, well, we'll give the coach one more game. What does that even mean? You're either firing him. He's good enough for your team for the next 10 games or he's not good enough for your team. So they had made the decision after the San Jose loss. They had to you know, negotiate with the New York Rangers to allow Knobloch out of his contract with them in the AHL. And so uh, they made that decision. Um they obviously didn't tell anyone until they got home on uh, Sunday morning after the flight and had a meeting with Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson. And then uh, they were let go. And obviously Chris Knobloch, uh, you know, he was coaching Saturday night uh, in Hartford and then uh, flew to Edmonton and was here for a press conference on Sunday. And, uh, you know, now we, we go another coaching change in Edmonton. Stop me. Like, uh, can you guys give me any insight? How do you cover this? I've never done this before. I don't know how to cover a, a new coaching change in, uh, in Edmonton. Obviously I'm being facetious, but it's, uh, um, you know, at some point it can't always be on the head coach. There's no question. You know, I, Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson weren't the only reason why the orders are off to a terrible start. Uh, they play a small part in it for sure. They're not, they're not, uh, excused from everything, but they aren't the major reason the orders have started off poorly. Um, I heard you guys earlier. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like Chris Knobloch's in a very good situation, kind of like Jay Woodcroft was. Because when Woodcroft came in, the orders were underachieving. And then they got hot and they played really well under Woodcroft. They had the, the six most wins in the NHL in 132 games. That's that's pretty solid. But 
the problem here before Woodcroft came is the problem that's still here after he's left. Their inability to play consistently defensively and, and reduce their goals against. Like right now, their offense is terrible, guys. Connor McDavid is 130th in scoring right now. What the hell's going on? So you know that's going to change, but defensively, and that's where, to me, this is more of a player issue. We've tried, there's been lots of coaches that have tried. None of them bought in. So eventually the players, they either got to th- get it through their thick skull that they need to play consistent. They've shown they can do it at times, guys, but they just, for whatever reason, can't do it regularly. So I tried to offer uh, Matthew Nyes in my hockey pool for Connor McDavid because right now they're kind of almost equal players when you look at the numbers. But uh, Jason, uh, Jeff Jackson is in charge here. Uh, and now Connor McDavid's eerie coach is the NHL coach. So is this a kind of like a LeBron James situation where he's kind of running the team? I, I know it looks that way and, and it's fair to question that, right? Um, you know, the Jeff Jackson one, you wondered why. Now, Jeff Jackson, former NHL player, former NHL assistant GM, like he's been in all facets of the game. So I think as the CEO, um, he understands over every, like he can see every element. Like when you run a company, the best guys aren't the ones who just, you know, their 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 dad gives them the company. They start at the bottom and work their way up and learn all about it. Well, Jeff Jackson's played and played as a player. He's done a lot of different jobs in the NHL, both on management side and then the other. So I think, you know, it made sense in that regard. I don't expect him to be the GM when Ken Holland leaves. If he does, then we got a bigger problem because th- to me, that would be a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, the Knobloch hiring, he did he did coach Connor McDavid, but th- you know, that's like he started with Connor McDavid 11 years ago, right? And, and, and Knobloch said him and Connor, like, you know, we've exchanged the odd text here the last few years, but you guys talk to a lot of NHL players. Ask him how many times they talked to their junior coach from eight years ago. Like, I, he knows him, but I would like to think that they weren't like, well, let's find any coach who's coach Connor. Um, Knobloch was pretty highly sought after. I know he's been a finalist in other coaching jobs. So um, he's not the one here that I'm, that's kind of a head scratcher. It's more that Paul Coffey's an assistant coach. That's the one like he's, he's an advisor to the owner guys. There's, there's no one I've ever seen as an advisor to the owner and he's an, an assistant coach. I also I don't believe he's going to be the assistant coach long-term. I think he's come in here as a little bit of a mess. Okay, hey, we're going to try to help Knobloch be successful. There's not going to be any players trying to, you know, uh, influence a, a rookie head coach here. And I think maybe that's what Coffee's here. Now, Coffee, like Marty St. Louis, yes, he doesn't have NHL coaching experience, but the guy's a Hall of Famer. He's smart. He knows the game. Um, I think he can help calm things down maybe, but that's the one that's a little bit more odd because you look at the dynamics of the organization like guys, I don't look at every team. I've covered the league for a long time. I can never remember an advisor to the owner also being an assistant coach. Yeah, really good insight. And it just seems like Paul Coffey is someone who doesn't seem that comfortable or or, or that interested in, in holding down that post for a long time. So we'll see what happens. Uh, one more from, from for you, Jason. Um, you know, you mentioned that the issue possibly is a player problem, and. Who is the person that puts those chess pieces on the board? It's Ken Holland. And if you look at the life cycle of your typical GM, usually you get one coach firing. It's not that common that you're there for multiple. So how much runway do you think Ken Holland has left, in your opinion, as GM? Well, he's in the final year of his contract, guys. And I, I don't think I think Ken Holland is is I don't think he'll come back. Maybe he would be a consultant for a year or two if, if they wanted him, he wanted to do it. But I, but I think he's, he's looking to, uh, to move on after this season. Um, you know, Jeff Jackson doesn't have a ton of experience. Ken Holland has a lot of experience. And I actually think the team he's built guys, when I say it's a player problem, now the goaltending is the one thing that falls on the GM without question that to me. But when I look at the team and the players and the skill he's brought in at Ford and defense, 
from the team he inherited, Edmonton's got a lot of skill, right? Like they're as talented as a lot of other teams, excluding the goaltending position. That's the one where the Jack, the Jack Campbell signing, you know, not only five mil, but for five years. If you would have said it was a two-year or three-year deal, maybe you can live with it. But that's that's a massive egg on the face of the GM. There's no way to sugarcoat that. But guess what? When you make an error, you can sit and you can worry about it, or you can say, guess what? I got to fix it. So now that's 100% on the GM, and he's got to fix that. And, you know, it's not easy. Like, look around the league, guys. Like, goaltending from year to year. You guys study analytics and stats just as in-depth, probably way more than I do. Look from year to year. Who would have thought Gustafson would be this bad? Hell, Ilya Sorokin's coming into Edmonton with a 907 save percentage behind a defensive-minded team, right? Like, goaltending, man, it is the most unpredictable one. However... I wouldn't have done a five-year contract with a guy who was never a proven regular starter. That's the issue here. And that's the one that hundred percent is on haul. Very well said. I love the energy coming from Jason today. The strong conviction in your takes there. It's what we need. We needed that firm voice to help guide us through this stormy time in Edmonton. Always appreciate it. Reminder, everybody check out the Jason Greger show. Jason, it's two to six on weekdays. Am I correct? That's right, uh, Monday to Friday on Sports 1440. And uh, right now, guys, uh, Sports Talk Radio host, uh, this is like the easiest time ever. There's uh, there's lots of emotions running high in Edmonton. They're fired up. And, you know, there's another new coach in town, and uh, the fans are curious to see. Can the Orders, there's only two teams in the NHL, fellas, who have never won back-to-back games this year, the Orders and the Blackhawks. Uh, the Orders will try to become the 31st team tonight. It will be very fun to check it out. Thanks again, Jason. And that's a wrap on another edition of the All 32, delivered by DoorDash. Okay, Stephen, it's time for the Ask DFO inbox question. And oh, baby, as Bob Cole would say, Connor Bedard is hot right now. That's six goals in four games. He was bringing it yesterday for the highlight reel. And he's actually on pace now for 57 goals, which would be the most by a rookie since Team Mussolini had 76, 92, 93. So, Stephen, I want to know, as someone who studied Bedard as long as anybody, how many goals do you think he finishes with this season? I don't think he's going to hit 57 because... First off, I'd be it'd be so awesome if he even hit the 50 this year. I'm going right now at 48. I think he's gonna, and that that just felt like the gut number to me. I had to pick because, you know, with how good he's playing, I think teams are going to start to figure out how to defend against him. He continues to find ways to amaze. You look at this play here, the way he stole the puck and and was able to score there. It's just he's pulling off things we just for as good as a player he was, we still weren't expecting. He's thriving in the moment here, but I do think as teams start to face him for the second, third time throughout the year, they're going to figure out that, okay, you know what? We could probably just take a run at him. We could try doing all these things here. Yeah. He's got the speed and the the tenacity to really pull through and score those goals. But I don't know. I just, I can't see him doing 50 this year. Now, if he did, that's one of the best rookie seasons I've ever seen since watching hockey. But, uh, cause when you look at back, I, I started watching like Oh, two Oh three. And you look in the last, 10 years, 15 years, you're not getting 50 goal scorer rookies, but I just, this guy's a special talent, man. There's not much else I could say. It's we're watching greatness here. And it's funny. I don't think anyone expected McDavid to pass over the great Connor uh, baton this quickly, obviously not. But uh, Mm -hmm. right now I I didn't expect Bedard to be this much better. Yeah. I I think I'm with you that he's going to fall short of 50. Also the shooting percentage is really high. It's over 20%. I do think that Bedard, his release is so deadly. He's going to be a high percentage shooter for his entire career. But if I did a little math, put on my, my uh, science or my mathematician hat, 
3.31 shots per game. I had him maybe drip, sort of drooping to 15%, a little regression the rest of the year. If we did that math for 69 more games, I think he's going to finish with 43 goals, would still be the most mm-hmm. since Ovechkin in 05-06 in terms of rookie goal scoring. Very impressive stuff. It's time now, Stephen, for our Botano Daily Betting segment brought to you by Botano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. And we're going to bring in uh, Oilers Nation producer, Patrick Puff, to do his best Tyler Remtrick impression. <laughs> Tyler, what do you got for us today, my friend? Yeah, maybe I have been hanging out with Tyler a little too much because I got a shot prop for you today. I got two options for you. One, you know, not so safe. One a little on the safer side. We'll start with Matthew Barzell. That's the safe option at minus 139. Uh, I like that he's over 2.5. He's uh, got an average of 3.5 shots per game this year, 45 on the season coming in against an Oilers team, not great defensively to start the season. And in the last five, uh, uh, in the last five games, he's got 15 shots. So I like that one for Matthew Barzell. If you want to get a little risky, a little more bang for your buck. I like Zach Hyman coming in off a natural hat trick in the first period against the Seattle Kraken, uh, four shots in his last two games. And in his last two games against the Islanders, He's got five shots and 10 shots. The Oilers like to shoot. We know it a little riskier though, cause the Islanders are a little more defensive. So, uh, I mean, guide your risk there. If you want a little safer option, Matthew Barzell minus minus one thirty nine. I personally like Hyman. I don't like that. It's over three and a half, but the Oilers like to shoot. We know that. And then we're going to jump over to the first goal of the game. I like the Seattle Kraken in this one, uh, plus one Oh five decent odds there. The reason I picked this, the Seattle Kraken, in the last eight, uh, last 10 games, eight of them, they have scored first two of those against the Colorado Avalanche. They've got some confidence coming into this game uh, with the win against the Avs, 4-3 to three on Thursday. I don't see them stopping. This team likes to come out hot. They shoot lots. They've got legs. I like Kraken to score first in this one. Okay, good stuff. And hey, maybe Seattle's still... Uh... Living rent free in Colorado's head after that playoff <laughs> exactly. loss exactly. last year. That's right. Yeah, and I and I like the picks for the the Oilers Islanders game. I think Oilers are going to be shot out of a cannon tonight. And if they jump out to an early lead, Islanders are going to have to be playing catch up, which means a lot of shots for Matt Barzell. Thank you so much, Patrick. Absolutely. Okay, Stephen, we're going to finish it off with a little bit of garbage time now, and. uh I know it was quite the story. I can't remember an example of this happening in recent memory, but right after a game, supposedly Nikita Zadorov, the big hulking defenseman of the Calgary Flames, after he loses to the Leafs through his agent, Dan Milstein requests a trade immediately. And of course, for a player of that size who can play that shutdown role, there will be plenty of potential suitors. So I'm curious for you, who is the best possible fit for Zadorov? I just hope for everyone's sake he's traded soon because I feel like the discourse around him has been absolutely nuts. You'd think he's like a top defenseman in the league with how much everybody wants him. But the team that I'm looking at, you know, obviously a lot are are saying Toronto because that's what the headlines came out and saying. Vancouver, uh, realistically, the Oilers could use them, but there's no way Calgary would do that. Uh, The one I'm looking at there is the New Jersey Devils, uh, a team that I like their defensive depth. But, you know, this is a team that could still go all the way this year. I know they're not super high in the standings, but it's still early going. And we know that you don't need to be number one in the league to win the Stanley Cup. Actually, that's typically a bad thing. Um, but he'd be a nice step up from Brendan Smith, uh, who doesn't score, is, you know, older, doesn't move very well. Um, 
they'd have to make up a bit of cap space to make that work. I think roughly around $2 million uh, to make that work. But that, you know, there's less pressure for a guy like Simon Nemich to come out there and have to play in an injury situation. You can have Zadorov there who can be this physical defenseman who can play the shutdown defense. And, you know, if he's on the third pairing, that's a scary third pairing all of a sudden. Leaf would be him and Luke Hughes type thing. So I would like that as a personal fit. I don't know about you, but uh, that, that's what I would do. Yeah, it's interesting. He'd almost be like a rich man's Kevin Ball in, in that system with New Jersey. So I, I like that fit. Vancouver was the team I had in mind just because I think they still need to clean up their defensive play. Like I said earlier in the show, Demko's been masking it a little bit. And Carson Soucy has been getting banged up, uh, I think, more than once this season, if I remember correctly. So I think you could have some nice insurance. You can never have too many defensemen, as the saying goes, especially come playoff time. So I like Zadorov uh, as a fit in Vancouver. Well, Stephen, garbage time brought to you by Wendy's. Wendy's is letting you win real food with your fantasy teams this year with the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool. Sign up now at dailyfaceoffsurvivor.com. And Stephen and Patrick, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much to you both. We'll be back, of course, with another show tomorrow at noon Eastern. Thank you for watching and listening. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Faceoff Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. But there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.